Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellenbecker Investment Group, three-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for Business Ethics and Integrity. The Ellenbecker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sense Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Becker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. We're located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive. We're in that great big beautiful town bank building. We're also in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank building, and we're directly across the street from Winkies, Kitty Corner from Sendex. So everybody really knows exactly where we are. I think everyone knows where Winkies is. <laughs> and it's really nice to say, particularly since we're looking at getting some snow here in Milwaukee, that we can service our clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. If you'd like to know more about the Ellen Becker Investment Group, you can go to ellenbecker.com for more details. My guest today is Ann Mank, and she is a wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. And it's really um, been absolutely wonderful that when Ann joined us, that not only did she bring all of the experience that she has, and I always say that we're all seasoned in so many ways, but Anne also has a, a daughter who has special needs. You can talk a little bit about that. And so Anne has been writing in our newsletters and working with clients and an advocate for children to help them to get all of the, all of the um, services and all of the love and care and tenderness that you can that you've experienced with your own daughter but there are so many parents that just you've often said it that they're just so busy they don't even know where to turn to and so through things like this radio show different events that you host around Milwaukee really trying to get the word out that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and so one of the things that you just recently did write about was um, Achieving a Better Life Experience Act of 2014, what's called the the ABLE Act. And that's one of the things that a lot of people don't really understand. Exactly. Um, and thank you so much for having me, because one of my passions is really getting the tools and the resources out to the families who have special need children, um, because there's so many wonderful resources out there, and we just don't know about it. And so uh, I appreciate the platform to be able to let people know, especially something like the ABLE account, which I wrote about in the newsletter. Um, So my daughter has both physical and emotional special needs. Uh, So she's spent a lot of time in the hospital. We have IEP plans for her in the school. We're always looking for new therapies and new resources. And so through my journey with her, I've been able to accumulate some of this information. And one is the ABLE Act. And it is a fantastic way for families to save money in a tax-efficient way to give their special needs child the life that they dream about um, and to also, you know, kind of level the playing field. So I also have two other children. And so part of my dilemma and guilt as a parent is how do I continue to support my other two children, um, either through education accounts, custodial accounts, um, when 
so they don't have any limits. I can put as much as I want in, in accounts for them, but how do I do that also for my other child who does have special needs and is getting government benefits without taking away some of those benefits for her? And that's what the ABLE account allows me to do. And what does that account look like? How does it work? So it is under the 529 um, tax code. So if anyone's familiar with education plans, it acts very similarly. So what you can do is you can open a 529 ABLE account for a disabled child. Now, there's a couple of qualifications for that. So first, they have to be um, kind of qualified as disabled before the age of 26. And there's two ways to do that. Either they qualify for SSI or SSDI, Social Security Income, or Social Security Disability Income. Um, or if they don't qualify for that, as long as they meet the standard for, SA, for Social Security and they have a letter from the doctor, they can open one of these accounts. What it allows them to do is put money into these accounts without getting rid of their benefits so they can still qualify for Title 19. They can still qualify for the SSI and the SSDI, um, but they can fund it. Grandparents can fund it. Parents can fund it. So it gives them a way to, to have some assets. Um, and you put it in, and it's already been taxed, but the beauty of it is that it will grow tax-free, and as long as they use that for qualifying expenses, there's never a tax on the money that they take out. So it acts very similar to a college education plan, but we're using this so that they can have housing costs, therapies, training, really whatever they need through their lifetime. They can have this bucket of money to use, and it's very tax-efficient. So with Christmas coming up, mm -hmm. <laughs> and you never don't know what to often get, and there are some restrictions on financial resources for these children, mm -hmm. um, how does a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, a friend, how do they open up an account like this? How can they fund that account? So what I would recommend is the parent really taking the lead on this, because one of the restrictions is that there can only be one account for this individual. So it's one account, individual is the owner and the beneficiary of this account. So that's why I say parents should really take the lead. But once that account is established, anyone can fund it up to $15,000 a year. Now, the way these accounts are created is each state has to say that, yes, we're willing to put these plans in place. So once again, just very similar to education plans. Um, Wisconsin themselves do not have any ABLE accounts that we can fund. So Wisconsin, what they've said is you can go out to any other state that offers it, and we will, from a, um, a tax benefit perspective, we will think of it just as our own. So for example, you could go to Ohio or to Iowa and use their ABLE plan if you're a Wisconsin resident, and there might be some tax benefits on your Wisconsin tax return. Now for that, go to a CPA to see if that is really the case, <laughs> but there might be for the contributions you put in, you might be able to also have a tax um, write-off on, on your Wisconsin return, but it is a state-by-state -state sponsored account. You know, and these are such difficult conversations and difficult situations for parents. Maybe what we'll do is let's take a break right now, and then let's come back and talk about the types of planning that needs to be done or would be beneficial be, to be done for children with special needs. You talked about you have two other children. Mm -hmm. you, have a, you have a child with special needs, and so they need different things. Mm -hmm. 
And um, so let's talk about estate planning. Let's talk about the different types of planning. And I know that I have had clients and have clients who have children who have aged along with them. And all of a sudden, like, what happens if I die? And Mm -hmm. what happens if I get sick and I have to use up all my money for my own health care needs? Who will take care of my child? What money will be there? And there is some really great planning that can be done. So my guest today is Ann Mank. She is an Ellen Becker Investment Group Wealth Advisor. She has the um, knowledge from personal experience on working with families who have children with special needs. And with that, we'll be right back. Also, in Ellen Becker Investment Group, wealth manager, and Anne has got so much experience in so many different areas of planning and financial planning. But through her own um, life, and she has a special needs child, and so she really does focus and try to keep up to date on everything that's out there that has to do with planning. And one of the things that's so important. And is to look at planning, not only mm-hmm. the financial piece of it, but the estate planning piece. And I know, as I mentioned earlier, that so many parents do worry about how will my child be taken care of? What if I have a car accident and both of us are killed? What happens? And often they've said, well, one of the children will step in. And that isn't always the mm-hmm. best the best outcome Mm -hmm. either. So can you talk a little bit about some of the challenges that bullet points that parents really need to think about? And then I always hate to put out there, here is a red flag without saying, but here's a way Mm -hmm. that you can manage it. Here's a way that you you can do something about it. Yep, exactly. And it really comes down to having that difficult conversation. So having a special needs child, you really have to think about those life and death situations. And it's not a fun conversation. But the more you can plan for it and the more you can get ahead of it, the smoother the transition. So a lot of times if families have special need children, what we're thinking about is when the caregivers pass away, how does that look? What does that look like? So for one thing to think about is how will the assets pass to that individual? How much will you pass to that individual? Um, You know, what is that going to look like? And the danger of passing them without any planning Right. Because if that happens, if, you know, me as a parent, if I would not have um, thought about this and my daughter would receive all of these assets, what would happen is she would lose her benefits. And because she's been on Title 19, they could come back and say, well, this is all in her name. And so now you have to pay your debt. (laughs) So in essence, you've just given your child money and she can't use it for the future. Um, But so there's ways to get around it. One is to make sure that your um, child who is getting government benefits has a supplemental needs trust, either set up now or set up as soon as you would pass away. Attorneys can help with that and they're the best ones 
to be able to set that up. Can you explain it just a little bit? Yep. So I know you're not an attorney, but I know. <laughs> a lot of them. <laughs> so with the Supplemental Needs Trust, what it's trying to do is it's very similar to um, an irrevocable trust, which means that the person that's receiving the benefit for this trust does not have control over it. There is a third party who acts as trustee for this individual. You can use it for the benefit of that individual, but because they're never controlling the money and it was never theirs to begin with, what the Supplemental Needs Trust does is protect those assets so that they can still be on Title 19, they can still get Social Security, but if they need to pay for an apartment, they have these funds to pay for an apartment. If they need special therapy, they have the money to pay for that special therapy. So that's why you want it to flow that way. If it does not flow through a supplemental needs trust and goes right to the child, it is really opening it up for um, them to lose a lot of benefits. But this is also important to keep in mind when you have grandparents as well. So as a grandparent, you don't want to name the child specifically as a beneficiary. You want to make sure that on all of your assets where that child is named, that they have that supplemental needs trust named on that versus the individual child. So that's usually where we see the disconnect the most is the parents might have done all this great planning, but if the grandparents don't know the trust is around and they put that child as a beneficiary, um, it really does make it difficult at that point when you're already grieving a grandparent passing away and then having to deal with these assets that you know they wanted to go to that child. So. And so often in talking with clients or grandparents who have grandchildren with special needs, they'll say, well, what if there isn't any money to fund that trust? What if the money gets used up? And that's at a point where it really is important to know that, first of all, you can name, you must name mm -hmm. that trust on a either a life insurance mm -hmm. or on your retirement account mm -hmm. as a beneficiary, but to name the trust, the special right. needs trust. But you can talk a little bit about life insurance in terms of mm -hmm. how that can be very, very beneficial, both um, direct, regular life insurance or second to die. So life insurance is a great way to help, um, you know, make sure that the future is a bright one for special needs children. And so with the life insurance, you can name the supplemental needs trust directly. So it's a nice way of individuals over the lifetime or over a certain amount of period of time to do small amounts so that you can fund this bucket so that if something would happen, let's say both parents and as you mentioned, the second to die policy, if both parents were to pass away, it feeds that bucket then for that child so that you know they always have resources. Um, kind of in my case, you know, I have two kids that um, don't have any disabilities. So at this point, we can give them assets. I know that I can kind of trust that I have friends and family that will take care of them. Um, but you really want the extra money to go to the special needs child so that they can hire the need that if they need somebody to care for them, if they need special therapy, the resources and the funds are there. Um, and life insurance is just an easy way to fill that bucket um, in a very cost-effective way as well. Um, and we often find that people wait too long and they're not insurable. Yes. So it's something when you have a child who has special needs, it's not something to wait on. The mm -hmm. earlier you can set that up for them, the better it is. And for grandparents who really want to help their child, you can name that grandchild on an annuity that you might have. Mm -hmm. You could name them on a retirement account. You could name them on 
bonds mm-hmm. on um I always call them war bonds because <laughs> that's what my grandpa always gave us but the savings bonds but you have to name that special needs trust yes. you cannot name the name of the child. Yep. And another way to kind of go around that if you're a grandparent is just is name your kids, not the grandkids. And then that gives the parents the control mm-hmm. and the option to use it for their therapy now um, and make sure that those benefits, you know, that they're taking care of those benefits as well. And, you know, and I think and I've and I'm sure you have too. We've had so many different client situations. So on one hand, sometimes there's grandparents that worry that their children may not take care of that mm-hmm. grandchild. Right. Sometimes their children aren't very financially astute with money <laughs> and they worry. And I know myself as having grandchildren that one of the hardest things is to watch something happen to your grandchild because mm-hmm. then you're also watching it happen to your child and so yeah. it's like a double duty that's a good point yeah and you, and you really don't have any control over it and yeah so I think the number one thing to emphasize here is to be as transparent as you can in doing your planning mm-hmm. and to be able to find someone that you really connect with that your intuition tells you is mm-hmm. a good fit because the most important thing is being able to talk to that person about all the issues that are going on, not maybe just the obvious, mm-hmm. which might be the child who has a, a special need, but the other family dynamics that mm-hmm. go with it. Because so often, and we've had that conversation, by just having a special needs child, a lot of times there's a lot of disparity with the other mm-hmm. kids thinking that one's getting more more share than yep. they deserve, and I'm getting less share. And, you know, there's family dynamics that planned all this, and yep. that also can be one of the things that stop people from planning. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, even though my kids are young, I hear that all the time. Like, why can she do that, or why does she get that? And it's, it is hard to explain. And then as the children get older, you know, as a parent, I would have just assumed my other two kids would take care of you know, my, my special needs child, but unless I have that conversation with them, um, unless I provide them with the support they'll need in order to do this, I can't just assume that. And they may have their own family. Right. And they might say, I love my sister, but this is not something I can handle or I can, you know, do. Um, And there's plenty of resources in the community. So there are places out there that can act as the guardian for that person so that the siblings can still be in control and help with the needs. But the actual day-to-day monitoring or the actual day-to-day check-in is done by someone else, a third party that's very trustworthy. Um, And so those are just some of the resources that are out there. The other thing that I highly recommend is to do a letter of intent So as a parent, I should have a letter of intent for my child. What that says is everything about this child that's not financial. So what's their favorite cup to drink out of? What is the one thing that will calm them down if they are crabby or tired? Um, Because for a special need child, if, if both parents pass away, that is a big event in any child's life. But now if you have, let's say, an autistic child and they are very used to routine, if you take the parents out of the equation, 
and now have somebody new caring for them, and this person doesn't know what the routine is, it is devastating to those children. And to the and to the person doing the caregiving. Right. It's a lot of stress. And so that's what this letter of intent does. It's just very specific things of if you weren't there, you want to data dump some of that information in there. Like for my daughter, her favorite character is Destiny from Finding Dory. <laughs> so if anybody knows her, they know that that is the one thing that would calm her down. But if you're not familiar with her, or you're overwhelmed by the situation, it's going to be too difficult. So having that letter of intent to say, okay, oh, okay, I got to grab destiny. Or she takes a shower and not a bath. Or right. Some yep. of the simple things that yep. that would seem simple, but when you're dealing with a special needs child, aren't yep. simple at all. And it's also a great document if kind of, you know, if you think of the other way of if you're taking care of an elderly parent, and there are certain things that you know that they like, and you're that caregiver. So it's really for anybody that's a caregiver to say, okay, here, here's what they need going forward uh, to make that transition a little bit easier. Because a lot of the things that you can do for a special needs child, you can also implement if you're a caregiver for an adult sibling or for um, a parent going forward as well. My guest today is Ann Mank. She is an Ellen Becker Investment Group Wealth Advisor. She's here today talking about caregiving and some of the things that are really important. If you have a special needs child, if you're a grandparent or an aunt and uncle for a special needs child, we talked a little bit earlier about the ABLE Act, which Christmas is coming, mm-hmm. so that's a great thing. <laughs> and uh, and you talked about caregiving, and we spent time talking about the child with special needs. Let's just take a little bit of time of talking about what the parents can do, the caregivers, so that they can survive. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellen Becker. My guest today is Ann Mank, and she is an Ellen Becker Investment Group Wealth Advisor. She has a special needs daughter, and so that has become a very important part of the planning that she does and really taking the opportunity and the time to go out there and be an advocate for these children. So I think it is really important to be an advocate and to understand all of the ins and outs that are out there and available to provide better care and better services for children. But what about the parents? You're a parent. (laughs) I mean, you find out that you have a child Mm -hmm. who has special needs. And how do you keep putting your first foot forward to get this information and to have enough sleep? And because (laughs) so often people will say, I don't have time to do that. You Mm -hmm. just don't understand what it's like to have a shadow with me. Right. 24-7 sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how does a parent um, move forward or or find their way? It is. It's very difficult. Um, and that's, that's why I really love what I do is because I can put some of those pieces together for individuals in a very easy way. I've been there. I've done it. I know what the resources are. And so especially at the beginning of the journey, you are just, you know, you're glazed over, you're sleep deprived. Um, And so what I found was, uh, you know, especially being a mom, I wasn't asking for help. 
And that's probably the number one thing you can do is you have so many people around you that want to help. They just don't know how. And so it doesn't mean that you're failing. It doesn't mean that you can't do this. It actually shows a lot of strength and courage if you can just raise your hand and say, I need help with this. I need help with that. Um, So for me, it was really you know, using my husband as a partner and saying, hey, wait, we're in this together. Okay, (laughs) let me bring you in on this. Um, Using grandparents, but then also the resources that are out there. So there's resources if you need help with, let's say, an IEP. So that's the plan you put together for school on how the school will be able to handle um, some of the needs of your child. It's also going out to parent groups, talking a lot of you can do this on the on Facebook a lot of times is finding the right group in your community uh, because most of the time every city will have some sort of a community special needs group and you just throw out questions don't be afraid and say well how did you handle this how did you handle that and so part of my passion here is to bring those resources together so as I talk to parents and as I talk to groups I say okay oh I have this great idea over here have you heard that and I share that information So really, it's asking for help and make sure you take time out for yourself. And so when you're in this whirlwind, this journey, it's really important to find quiet time for yourself. And so for me, it's first thing in the morning before everybody else wakes up, you read a book, you meditate, you go online and see if there's a new therapy that you can find for your child. But really what you need to do is focus on yourself and just find that peace because as soon as everybody is awake, It's craziness. And a lot of times with some of these special need kids, it's life or death every single day. I know with my daughter, the first two years, it was just how do we keep her alive? And that's a lot of stress. And if you don't find time for yourself or you don't raise your hand, you yourself is going to get sick. You're not going to be able to care for your child at that time. And so it really is just, you know, not feeling guilty. It's okay. You need to take care of yourself as well, um, but just make sure you use the resources out there. And you had mentioned about time. Who has time? And that's really what I was struggling with is who has time? And I think all of this is very important. So parents know this is very important. They just don't have the time to figure it out. And that's really what I want to do for them is say, come here. You don't have to worry about where to find it, what pieces that you need. I know all the pieces. I know all the resources. So what you do is you we come, we talk, and instead of, you know, maybe five weeks of searching through the internet or asking people, we could have a conversation and I can point you in the right direction. So that's really what I'm hoping to do for individuals, even if it ha- doesn't have to do with money. There are so many resources out there that I just want to help and kind of give back to the community. When should parents start reaching out to you? So the sooner the better. <laughs> so one thing is, you know, when it, especially if it comes to estate planning and life insurance planning, um, the sooner you can do it, the better so that you have the correct beneficiaries so you know who the guardian of that child will be. Um, and then so also from a life insurance spec- in perspective, one of the things I found out is we, not knowing, I had life insurance after Abby was born, my first child. Um, And so when she was born, I realized I couldn't put her as a rider on life insurance because she had this disability. If I would have had life insurance prior to getting pregnant, oh, rider, fine, put her on there, they don't care. And so anything you can do sooner than later is great. 
you need to have a will, you need to have powers of attorney, and you need to make sure that your beneficiaries are correct. Um, and then every life transition is also another time. Are they going into high school? Are they becoming independent? Am, are the parents retiring? Have a, has there been a death in the family? So it's really those life moments that you need to make sure that you're visiting with somebody who understands the whole picture and not just the dollars, um, the estate planning, the tax planning, the insurance planning, getting that holistic approach to that. We had someone in um, came in as a new prospect and they had a special needs child, and they said, well, we're, we're all set up. We've got a special needs trust, which they did many, many years ago. They had some insurance. They had 401Ks. And on there, they did not have the special need trust on any mm. of the beneficiaries. And they just figured because they made the special needs trust that it took care of everything. It's like a lot of people feel, well, if I have a will, my assets will be divided exactly yep. the way I want it. But if they don't have the right beneficiaries Mm -hmm. on the um, insurance, on the retirement accounts, even savings bonds, um, they pass the way they're titled. Right. Regardless of what you have in your estate plan. So that whole um, connecting the dots Mm -hmm. with all of the insurance and with the annuities and with the retirement accounts and all the other things that are beneficiary designated are important. The special needs trust is great, but it only works if everything is tied to it. Mm -hmm. If it all points in that direction. direction. Right. And having somebody that Mm -hmm. understands what's all pointing where is important. So even with you know, not many people know about even the ABLE accounts that we were talking about earlier. And it's a fantastic planning tool, but not a lot of people know about it. Um, you know, the pointing of everything to a supplemental needs trust, not everyone knows to do that. So it's really being with somebody that has a holistic approach, understands the tools you can use, understand all the new things that are coming out because there is constant change in the special needs community on what the laws, what the benefits are. Um, Every year I'm trying to stay on top of that of, okay, what does this mean for my daughter? What does this mean for my friends and family? And what do I need to then tell my family kind of going forward from there as well? It's a hard question to when you talk about estate planning, and one of the questions is, is something happened to the two of you, who would you want to take care of your child? And sometimes people say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that happens a lot, especially as the child gets older. Um, and let's say that was the only child. And so now you have one parent that's still around. You have a special needs adult child. And that really is the question of who's going to take care of that child. And there is resources out there that you can, and I, and once again, doing this sooner than later is better. So what we, or what I at least let them know is that they can talk to these organizations. They can talk to the individuals who would take their place, get their child used to this individual before it would even happen. So instead of just saying, oh, you know, parent is gone, here's some new person, have that talk, get them used to it, get them used to the facility so that it's an easy transition once again. And so many of these children live in their parents' homes Mm -hmm. their entire life. Yeah. And it's, what do I do with the house? What happens to the child? Again, sometimes it's being an ostrich and putting your head in the sand and hope that the problem Mm -hmm. will go away. But nobody can put um, light on that issue 
better than you. And if something happens to you, you've got a court system Mm -hmm. stepping in and trying to make those decisions. And that's the last thing that you want is for that court system to do that. And, you know, if you really don't know who's going to take over, you can at least think about it and then assign an independent third party trustee to be the manager of the money, to sell the house for you, to kind of take care of all of those details once you would pass away. But the biggest thing is that it's your choice because you've thought of it before, you knew what your options were, and you were able to make that decision versus, like you say, the court steps in and all choice, you know, then it's whoever the court knows or whatever they might. And from a, also just from a tax perspective, you don't. You want all of your assets that could possibly go to your child as much as you can. You don't want to pay more taxes than you need to. So if you do the planning ahead of time and you make those decisions, there are some tax advantages you could do that puts more of the assets into your child's trust than kind of giving it to the government. One of the other things, and we'll take a quick break right now, two things is, one, there is some new legislation on the powers of attorney, mm-hmm. which is really great, and we'll talk about that. And then the other thing is, I know that you host many family meetings, bringing the entire family together mm-hmm. to talk about the planning that you've done, and to let everybody know, I don't know if the word is what the expect, what the expectation is that they would contribute to that, but so that if there are any upsets, if there are any unknown, they come out early mm-hmm. and you can deal with them. So we'll take a quick break and we will be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellen Becker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. If you would look, like to know more about the services that we have, know a little bit more about Anne or anyone else at the EIG family, um, just go to ellenbecker.com and you can um, meet them there and learn about all the different services we have. And one of the, and my guest today is Ann Mank and she is an EIG wealth advisor. She has a child with special needs and it's become a, a very large focus in her practice and helping other families to go through some of the challenges that she has and to make it a little bit easier. And and one of the things that you have done, and, and I'd like to focus on these three things for this last segment, is you have started a group to help families with this that you're speaking in various places all around Milwaukee. Um, also, we talked about a new power of attorney mm-hmm. that is quite new for kids. And there was one other one. What was the other one? Or three, I had three in my brain. Well, I'll think of that. <laughs> okay, you you start with you start with those two, and I'll think of the third one. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, so we have a group here that's better than ordinary, and really the main focus of that group is to bring together resources. And so what I'm currently doing, and what I love to do, is to go to organizations organizations out there that are helping those with special need children and just educate them on some of the resources, both from an estate planning, from financial planning, and then kind of that end of life transition planning as well, because the information isn't out there. And so that's really what I'm trying to do is go out into the community, uh, educate people along the way and share the resources that I've learned from meeting with so many different individuals. So if there's anybody out there that would like me to share this message and this education, I'd be happy to help them kind of 
going forward. But what I've learned is that really I need to go to those organizations. It's really hard as a parent. You're just all over the place. You are, you know, kind of crazy. You have your family to take care of. You have your child to take care of. And so it's very difficult for you to kind of pull away um, on nights. So for me to go to the organizations has worked much better so that I can really help them and answer their questions where they are versus them having to make a special trip. So I'm happy to do that at any time. And the power of attorney, that's new. Yeah, so the power of attorney, one, this came about um, due to the fact that at the age of 18, if you have a special needs child who can take care of themselves, might be semi-independent, parents were kind of faced with this decision, do we let them be fully dependent, independent, or do we do guardianship for them and literally take away all of their ability to make choices on their own? There was no middle ground. And so in April of this year, it was signed into Wisconsin law. They're one of just three states in the nation that have this. And what it does, and I'm just going to read this just so I get it correct, but it's called Wisconsin Supported Decision-Making Bill. It gives parents the ability to make decisions for their child without taking all those responsibilities and those abilities away from their child. So it's a really nice way of saying, I still want to help you make financial decisions. I still want to help you make life decisions, but I want you to do as much as possible. I want you to be able to sign your own check. I want you to make decisions on where you're employed, what you can do, where you can rent an apartment maybe, but I can give that oversight. So if it becomes too challenging for you, or if you do want me to step in for you from, let's say, a healthcare perspective, I can do this with this bill. So it's, it's, it's exciting because as a parent, you want to make them as independent as possible and you want to give them freedom. And so that guardianship, which we had to do in the past, just took all of that away. And so in essence, you had an 18-year-old standing in front of a judge who was capable of making some decisions, but literally had to tell the judge, I can't make any decisions on my own. I'm not responsible. I'm not able to do that. And it was devastating for some of these kids. And then this way, it's kind of the best of both worlds. So it's great. But that's some of the new changes that are coming out constantly where we're, there's a resource that can help families. So I know the third thing. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> it was if somebody really wants to work with you, if somebody wants to spend time mm-hmm. evaluating their situation, what does that look like? How do you actually work with somebody? Um, they pick up the phone and they call Mm-hmm. 262-691-3200 and ask for Ann Mank, and then what happens? <laughs> then they go into the scary void. No, not really. <laughs> no, then what we do is we set up at least a one-hour <laughs> consultation with them, and I just get an understanding of where they are. So there's never any judgment on how they got there or what has happened in the past. What I really do is say, okay, here's where we're starting from, and how can we go forward? And the more... Uh, individuals from the family that we can get in on that discussion, the better. So who would take care of your special needs child? Let's have them be part of the conversation. Because when we have everyone sitting at the table and we have the beautiful kitchen tables or dining room tables at our office, when you're sitting around the table, that's when you can have those conversations and say, well, I would like to help, but I can't do it 100%. Okay, well, how do we solve that? Or I would like to be able to you know, pay for this child's therapy 
the next 10 years. Great. How do we do that? And so by having everyone at the table, you know what's going to happen. Everybody's on the same page. You know who the guardian's going to be. You know where the money is flowing in and out. Um, But that's really the best thing that we can do. And so it's that one-hour conversation. We get to know the people who are involved. And then what we do is we come up with a plan and say, going forward, here's how we can help you. Here are the resources we can bring to the table. Here's what the plan would look like. And really what I want to do is I want to be their their advocate, their CFO, their, you know, I take this off of their shoulders so that they can, you know, really take care of their child from a health perspective or from a therapy or from a schooling perspective. Let me handle this for you and take care of it. Um, But I completely educate you along the way so that, you know, I'm holding your hand as you're going through this. And I think also on that, on that first meeting, um, once that happens is at that point you give everybody a list of the things that they need to bring in with mm-hmm. them and you look at to see if they have any estate planning documents in place currently, mm-hmm. evaluate them, and we can either work with their attorney or we have attorneys that we can work with. Yep. We evaluate taxes to make sure mm-hmm. that you're taking advantage or not paying more than, yeah. <laughs> than you need to be paying. Take a look and evaluate life insurance and how it works, and many times we find that parents sort of, in the very beginning do the best that they can and Mm -hmm. they get term insurance but what we really want with longevity is we want some type of permanent insurance Mm -hmm. to fund that special needs trust down the road somewhere Mm -hmm. Um, we need to look at all the retirement accounts everything Mm -hmm. that they have to check on beneficiaries looking at what they've done at work because in so many situations you have your retirement accounts there your 401k your 4013b Um, you've got your craft or you've got life insurance that's associated with your salary. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many things to evaluate just to take the time to look at all that. And I know that as I've sat with you and as I've sat with clients, when it's all done, everybody just sort of sits back and says, I wish I had done this before. Mm -hmm. Because it is and can be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And once you take, and and I would say that it probably takes to do everything a good three months Mm -hmm. to put it together, to get documents signed, to get them changed if they need to be changed and to look at everything. But you really do work with people and you try to make it and accommodate them the best that you can. And then once this is all done, of course, (laughs) there's always the opportunity to have the family meeting with all of the Mm -hmm. children involved. And and it does change because we have so many people that come in with infants and babies, Mm -hmm. and they don't know how to plan. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, the child is 18 or 22, (laughs) and, and they need planning and the other children need planning as Mm -hmm. they age too they as your other children your two children they'll Mm -hmm. need powers of attorney when they turn 18 and so it's really bringing in all the advisors Mm -hmm. that you can and one of the things that I know Julie has said all so often is that legacies are so different you have your legacies of finance you have your legacies of how you created your wealth and then you have your legacy of the people who are going to work with your beneficiaries mm-hmm. when you pass away. So have you put a good team together? Have you put mm-hmm. someone like an Anne together who can walk your children, your remaining children through that? Do you have a good accountant? Do you have a good attorney? Do you have a financial plan in place? And I think one of the most beautiful legacies that you can leave your children is to have everything organized. And I always you know, say to my clients, 
if you were to be just sort of like a fly on the wall at the very first meeting after you passed away, what would it look like? Hmm. Would your children be celebrating you? Would they be so grateful that you have everything in place? Mm -hmm. Or would they feel like they're turtles on their back and they don't know who to trust and they don't know who to, what to do next? And mm -hmm. I think if you can just vision what that looks like, it really helps to motivate you mm -hmm. to put a plan in place, to yeah. put the right people in place. Yep. And that's the most beautiful gift you can give. It is. Uh, and just like you said, a lot of times we sit across the table when somebody's passed away and it's the difference between somebody coming with an estate plan or somebody coming with a big box of stuff that they don't know about. Yes. And just that stress well, and anxiety. Right. Yeah. yeah. Big difference. Big, big difference. My guest today is Ann Mank. She is a wealth advisor with the Ellen Becker Investment Group. You can reach her at 262-691-3200. And as always, I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and your financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always, always listen.